You're listening to United Q Podcast. We're brought to you by ProQ, Kamado Joe, Thermopen, and Smokewood Shack. ProQ's extensive range of bullet smokers, reverse flow, and gravity-fed smokers will suit all, from the home enthusiast to the big volume caterer. Kamado Joe, the king of ceramics, is renowned for build quality and innovation. When smoking, roasting, or searing, get that great barbecue taste and keep the moisture locked in. Thermapen Instant Read Thermometers. Take the guesswork out of barbecuing with the super fast Thermapen. Smokewood Shack delivers quality smoking wood every time. They provide the smoky goodness, you provide the talent. This week's show, we have got David Carter from Smokestack. Hey, David, are you all right? Yeah, really well. How are you guys doing? All right? Yeah, really good. Thanks. Thanks for coming on the show. Good. Thanks for having us. No, no problem. We've um, you've always you've been mentioned lots and lots of times by various different guests on the show, and people have often been, been tweeting us about getting you on. So, it's finally, get you on the show. Yeah, it's good. It's good to be involved. Actually, it's been a rush. It's now a year and a half, so we're not, we're not new kids on the block anymore. Actually, no, very which well is, uh, which is quite nice as well. <laughs> uh, we'll go that far. You know, we're, we're definitely <laughs> we're definitely not new, but we're very well established. That's a, a bit of a far cry still, but yeah. <laughs> oh, do, okay, just do you want to start us off by just giving us a little bit of background about who you are? Sure. Um, well, I, I guess I'm restaurant industry through and through. Um, I came over here in 2008. Um, I've done a year and a half in LA with, with sort of four seasons. I was at university before that in Toronto from Barbados. But I came here to, to sort of get pursue a career in the restaurant industry. So I'm actually going around the United States. could do no wrong. Um, everybody was making money and spending money. So I joined them at um, sort of Claridge's for a couple of years. I did that for, I think, the better part of two and a half years. And then moved over to the Dutch Savoy Grill for him, which was um, obviously a big opening at the time. I did that for probably a year and change, and then moved over to Rocker, um, which is a Japanese restaurant, uh, more front of house based. Uh, I was always interested in, I guess, operations, how things work, how they tick, uh, as much as, as food, really. But for whatever reason, my career always started off in, in a more front of house operational angle. And then we started Smokestack in 2013. So it was just sort of initially the pipe dream, street features. I thought at the time really, really booming. Um, I thought it was quite far along. I thought we were late to the late to the party already. Um, I didn't really realize that you know we were sort of, I guess, right at the top of the wave. Really, I thought street food would kind of come and gone almost. Yeah. And we did that in 2013, launch in August. Did a few events, didn't do very well. I don't think. Um, 
tested and um, I didn't think the product was as nearly as good as it should be. But you know, it was all it was all very steep learning curve. With that, you know, bought a couple of plane tickets to the states. Probably did two or three trips within a year, just to kind of understand it a bit more. Visit different manufacturers, visit different sort of restaurants, storages and kitchens, all the usual sort of culprits really. And then in 2014 is when um, is when we really took it seriously. Is when we um, when we sort of did festivals. I resigned from from my day job to kind of commit to it full time, and that was that was the summer 2014. And we had three massive summers. 14, 15, 16, and then, you know, raised sort of funding and capital for restaurants. And we did that in the tail end of, of 2016, and, and since then, the restaurants have been open. Awesome. Amazing. That's why I first sort of came across Smokestack was at uh, Street Feast, the uh, Dinorama. And uh, yeah. as you do, you sort of go in there with a group of friends and you sort of go around, pick a few different things and, and all sort of come together. And it was it was Smokestack we actually ended up going back to and back to and back nice. to through the through the evening and and yeah. i mean i just thought it was it was fantastic and uh, yeah, yeah. i have to say some of the best barbecue that that i had had in the uk at that point uh yeah it was just, it was it was it was great fantastic yeah i mean we um don't know it was probably our third set of street feast so we did those um and then we did that i think three or four summers and then model market happened we did that a year or two maybe and then hawker house and then dinner i think it was quite late in the game i can't remember they opened in, i think they were probably open in may 2015 so it was 2015 and then 2016 and then that was that was that really. But yeah, it was good. I mean, but at that point, I think, you know, we probably had, you know, a central kitchen. When I say central kitchen, the Dolson's where we produce all of our stock. You know, we had one monster smoker and one team yeah. there. And then we started to go transporting Ubers and around like to sort of, I guess, Lewisham um, at the time to to obviously Dolson and to Dynorama. And I think we sort of got this sort of knack around that sort of time. I mean, it's something that, you know, you, you never really fully... You know, on top of everything, you know, we're now bringing in a lot of UK kits, for example, and that's a complete different challenge in terms of a lot of cut loads and, and the fat content and, and what we need from them. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's still something that's incredibly inconsistent and incredibly challenging to kind of get right every time. But, you know, I think at that point, we started to, I think, find a rhythm, really, you know. Um, and at that point, I think business was quite good, quite was very, very strong. So it was a good time. I mean, tough as hell, you know, trying to do three street few sites and then yeah. one or two festivals outside of London. Um, but I break it tough and I wouldn't do it for all the money in the world again. But I'm glad I did it, you know, to get, get the restaurant where it is. We couldn't have done it without it. So, you know, it definitely served the purpose at the time. But, um, but yeah, some very, very brutal years for sure. Cool. So you, you said you went out to the US to do, like, I guess, a bit of research and stuff. Where did you end up going when you were out there? We did um the first thing we did with my old man, I did um I think that was when it was just in his embassy, I think probably twenty twelve, twenty thirteen. So I went throughout all over Texas. So that was the first trip. We did all over Texas and that same trip I actually went to to Montreal. There's a guy called Chef Paul Kirk, who's this big sort of seven time world champion, barbecue guy or whatever. And he was doing a course in Montreal. and my my siblings are based in Toronto, so I went there and that was the first sort of taste I had of doing it. I do. A, I guess at a at a different level, um, and I did that for a bit. So I did him, um, but I did obviously Texas with, with my dad. Um, then after that, the next trip we did we did the full hogs. So we started Kansas, we went east to St. Louis, down through Memphis, through Arkansas, which is a hell of a lot going on in Arkansas to be honest with you. But obviously leading into Texas, so then <laughs> started north at Dallas, um, down into Austin and all the surrounding states, so Lockhart, Luling. Um, driftwood all those sort of places and that for me is you know you can do austin and only austin and that's that's enough it's it's definitely the yeah. best by a long mile and then into houston um and again it was visiting one combination of 
actual Barbie restaurants, we've got some manufacturers. You know, we've, we've got, I guess, three different types of kit for the States. We've got sort of all hickories. We've got the original Klaus, which is from David Klaus in Houston. And then we've got a JNR, which is from Mesquita, Texas. So we brought in four or five smokers now um, at different stages. So really got an idea of, of what kit we had and what was available there. And I think it's, it's almost like how I describe it often is like almost you go from a shotgun to sort of sniper. So the first time you go over there and you just taste everything, you see everything, and all of a sudden you come back a bit overwhelmed because you've seen so much, you've tasted so much, that you're almost a bit like, you know, where do I start? What's next? Yeah. Um, yeah. And then towards the, the tail end, the last trips is exactly what restaurants are going to, you know exactly who you want to work with, you know exactly what you want to do. And it's almost like a sniper. So you're very, very deliberate in, in what you do. So if I went back now, for example, I've flying to Austin, do four or five places there, um, visit one manufacturer they really believe in, and, and fly back, and that's it, you know. And I think um, towards the last trip, got very, 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 I guess, acute focus. We knew what we wanted to see, knew what we wanted to learn, um, yeah, knew we wanted to take in, and that was that really. So we've probably done, I think, five or six trips now, four or five maybe, and then New York oh. as well, because New York is obviously scattered as well, um, just because London is obviously. You don't have the real estate like Texas, so it's no sense fooling yourself that you can have this, you know, massive backyard with twelve offset smokers. Doesn't really exist. <laughs> you know, it's um, quite restrictive in terms of, in terms yeah. of, you know, space, in terms of smoke, in space of council, neighbors, and everything else. So you always kind of get an idea of operations and logistics. So I guess every trip has kind of served its purpose, really. I mean, the, the trip sounded awesome. I mean, what at what point did you? choose to go down the barbecue route there like what what actually because obviously your experience sort of uh in the fine dining side of things and, and some other bits sure. and then what 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 made you choose to go down the barbecue route was there like this uh did you grow up barbecue obviously your your pet you mentioned your dad was traveling with you in in america yeah, times yeah. was he into barbecue or or where did it all begin yeah i mean i, I grew up in barbados so you know it's a very it's a very barefoot beer about culture we call it you know what i mean beach barbecues and for me, barbecue mm-hmm. wasn't, or it still isn't really smoking. You know, it's me. It's much more as much grilling. You know, where you get these yeah. on charcoal or, or wood, where you have the caramelizations of fats and then the sugars and the sauces, and that all caramelizes on the meat and then has people char. That's for me what barbecue is. So even in the beginning, we would smoke ribs or beef rib, but then we'd always finish it on a grill, because for me, the grill really and truly is is a barbecue, but not grills in salt and pepper, as in grill with sort of sauces caramelizing and then the fat dripping on the coals and the coals and coming up and infusing smoke into the meat so that for me is what barbecue i grew up as and yeah that's, that's, interesting. An, that's obviously very very close close to heart um i guess with time i was really really fascinated by the kits by the by the workmanship um in the states um and the products of course uh but i also found you know I, I i wanted to do our take on it you know and i think the us is great but they're they're very much about the rubs i think and then obviously the smoking and that's it where ours is you know, it's not definitely not any better, it's just different. Where ours is, we smoke it, for example, then we'll finish the ribs on a grill, um, get that beautiful char and caramelization. Is it better? Is it worse? I don't know, you tell me. But it's just what we prefer. You know, it's just what, it's our style yeah. of barbecue, and that's it, you know? So, well, we've adopted a lot of things. Our brisket's classic, salt and pepper, you know, it's it's, it's brisket, we champion the products, um, and that's amazing. Um, but a lot of what we do is, is our take on it, really, and we try and not get pigeonholed in this sort of, you know, are we texting, are we this, are we that? You know, we're, we're just we're just us. And I think it's quite a, I don't know, maybe it's a British way of doing things. You know, I think some of the best barbecue you've had is PQ in the, in the early days. I think it was amazing. And I think the same thing with those guys. It was very much about their take on it. And it was smoking it, for example, and then finishing it on a grill. 
or whatever they thought was the best version. So for me, it's it's going up at home, you know, beach barbecues. We had at least a barbecue at least every week for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's average temperature is 27 degrees a year. You know, it's just that sort of culture, and that's sort of what I sort of fell in love with. Um, and it was just kind of seeing how we can kind of do that and, and put our spin onto it, really. So it was hard, it was hard or challenging, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been good. It's been emotional. <laughs> well, from the food I tried, you, you, you're doing good. <laughs> yeah, good, good to hear. And uh, I, I think that's really like the only way to go is doing it your own way because people get caught up in this whole regional barbecue styles and this and that, and it can become a yeah, bit yeah. boring, a bit tedious at times. In, in my opinion, I just think yeah, that like course. if you're doing your own thing, then then you're avoiding all of that altogether, which is which is always great in my opinion. <laughs> I also think you need to champion what you have over here, right? You know, it's, it's as much as I love to do a barbecue restaurant, get flying fish in from, from wherever, to bring flying fish over here is doing how many air miles or, you know what I mean? It's, it's, yeah. it's that hard to get here, that expensive. If you're here trying to champion and some of the best barbecue you've had is in Austin, you know, it's, it's amazing. But I don't think you can replicate that. You know, you don't have the, the smokers and the space. Um, you don't have obviously the temperatures necessarily. You don't have a lot of things that make it achievable there. You know, I think... Um, I think it's it's absolutely yeah incredible what they're doing, but I think you got to do your own your own stick on it as well. And you know, it's, yeah. you know, I think I think entrepreneurship is creativity, right? You know, the more you can be creative and have your own rubber stamp on it, the the better it'll be. Um, and not to say that isn't something amazing over here as well, but I just think you know, do what do what you're excited about, do what you're passionate about. And I think um, ours still changes every day. You know, we still challenge ourselves. We still look at each other in the mirror and say, what the hell are we doing? Why are we not doing it this way? Why is that not in the menu? Why is this still in season? Why is that in the menu? It's not coming out of season. Why are we not going into spring right now, for example? You've all, all these sites, you know, changing into spring vegetables and, and lighter dishes. Why are we not kind of embracing that? So our staples are going to be, of course, brisket and ox cheeks and, you know, pork ribs and the usual culprits. But it's very much now about, you know, we're trying to source all of our beef from here, which is a challenge, um, through Swaledale and through through Warrens, uh, we probably have about 60% through them now, maybe 50 to 60% of our beef yeah. through them. Um, all of our short is, is through is from Cornwall. But we're now trying to get all of our stuff from the UK versus the US because of the amount it's doing. Um, because, you know, we know how, we know the guys personally that rear the animals or the butchers themselves when they go down to Cornwall and they're probably, I don't know, every month or two, you know, and it's, it's that's what we're trying to do. And that, again, it's a constant moving goalpost and it's constantly evolving and constantly changing. But I guess, that's what makes it interesting as well you know what I mean how do we make it better you know how do we come we're going to do the same thing tomorrow as we did yesterday you know it's, it's, it's a bit stagnant really so it's constantly about how do we make things better and constantly kind of push ourselves or evolve it and evolve it at your rate London is you know I think London is you're so spoke yeah. because there's such amazing restaurants and they're so progressive in, in so many ways that they that they push you and you push them hopefully you know in what you're doing what they're doing and you know where do we not have that the menu is there a way we can do this better and um, that's what I think is fascinating about London. It's just constantly pushing you in the best way possible. Awesome. So, yeah, it sounds really good. I love the fact that you are using so much more produce from this country, especially when it comes to, like, like British beef where everyone's always been trying to promote how good it is and stuff. But but you're showcasing that and you're saying, like, your briskets. Yeah, there, I, think, I, think, I, think, I think it's, I think, you know, in terms of flavour, you know, the, the UK beef is phenomenal. Um, you know, being grass-fed, being dry-aged, and the carcass and the rest of it. Um, unfortunately, you know, the actual the actual cut, the really short we've had for the longest while, probably since you opened the restaurant from, from Cornwall, from uh, Philip Lawrence. So they're 100% now, now um, 
UK. However, they have a huge fat content, which is great. The US actually is probably too fatty for what we need. Um, they've got huge clumps of fat, like a ribeye, whereas the ones you get from Warren's are kind of beautifully marbled all the way through. So they're they're absolutely bang on the money for us. Briskets, obviously, being our number one seller, that's that's something that we've been working on for quite a while. Um, and you know, if we bring in a Dexter, for example, we can't use a Dexter because the brisket comes in around two and a half, three kilos. It's way too small. So we got to work in sort of a two, mainly two farmers, I guess, that can kind of produce it for us. Um, and again, it's it's you know they'll slaughter come every cattle a week, and they'll tell us we've got out of 20 cattle, there's 40 briskets. We've got about 20, 25 that you really want. They'll send us those, and we'll look at them, and we'll take them, and then sometimes they'll say one or two are not right, send them back. But just be basically how much fat it has on the top, and and, and the rest of it, how much is that going to, you know, rent it down and they smoke up? Um, so it's a working motion for sure. I mean, we're going through about 70 briskets a week. So we're getting about 40, a good week 50, a bad week 35 from them. So it's trying to make sure we can kind of consistently have that because um, the spec requires quite specific for brisket, as you, as you, as you well know. Yeah. Um, it has to have that marbling. It has to have that consistency of size. It has to have that fat cavity top. And you're not fooling anybody. I don't care how good of a good cook you are. You cannot cook a brisket that doesn't have that fat on top. Like, point blank period doesn't matter how much how experience you are if you don't have the raw materials there's no way to produce it so it's a work in motion try and get that and then try and obviously get it up to the quantities that we need so you know it's only been probably it's been a slow gradual increase probably i guess over the last eight months or so but it's it's looking like you know hopefully within hopefully towards the end of the year early next year we have we're able to, to bring in fully obviously they need to be able to swap the capital as well so we can get it in um as well, and then at that point, you know, the menu becomes 100% British, which is you know, which is amazing for us. Yeah, amazing. With with the brisket, are you are you using full pack of briskets in the restaurant, or are you just uh, are you smoking point end for the fat content of the British beef? No, or? we no. I think I think uh, we did this, We made this mistake with the pastrami. We used to get pastrami, and it didn't sell very much, so we cut off the flat and smoked the flat only. And again, when you smoke a brisket, if you just do the point end. You're gonna you're gonna suffer. You need to leave the whole brisket as a, intact as possible. Obviously, bone out. Obviously, it's the aerodynamic and everything else. But you need to have yeah. the full 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 product as much as you can. Good five six kilos of meat, and then that way when it shrinks and when it renders, it's it's not dehydrating itself. You know, if you cook yeah. a, if you cook a pork rib in half, for example, like you're gonna end up with sort of jerky more so than a pork rib because it's so thin, it dries out. It's the same thing with brisket. You have to have the size because um, we made a mistake doing pastrami because we weren't selling much in the beginning. How do we make yeah. this work? We do it smaller. doesn't work at all. You need to have the full product. So we use the full brisket. Um, you know, we are using USDA. I mean, we still subsidize the USDA where we, we don't have enough quantity. But, you know, the idea is that we can eventually, you can slow down on the, on the road miles, I guess. Yeah, yeah. miles and, and become fully here. Because um, the flavor is unbeatable. The texture is completely different. But the US texture still is better by far, I think. Um, it's definitely better texture flavor just so yeah, yeah. UK for sure and obviously the moisture in the u.s is still better but you get the occasional uk one that's up there and it's you know it's if we can work with with you know these, these guys and you know try and convince them what we need and know what we're after and, and they're super super keen to work with us as well which is great you know then yeah yeah so because i mean I, I think sometimes they struggle to sell brisket whereas they're like what are you talking about we'll take all of it um <laughs> but you know it's not it's not a ribeye it's not a sirloin right it's not one that's yeah. going to fly off the shelf like, like the rest of it does. Um, exactly. So, it's how do we kind of you know get what we need? So it's a work in motion. I, I, as I say, within by the end of the year, I like to think we're 100 percent or close to it. And then and then yeah, happy days. Awesome. 
So me and Dan are both fans of uh, ox cheeks. We've both done them quite a few times in different ways. Like, what, what's your kind of approach to the method behind producing good ox cheek? They're really, really simple, really. I mean, um, they're very forgiving. Uh, so gelatinous here. So we started off that dish with beef shin, which is dry as hell. So beef shin is great when you do it in a go. I don't know. Uh, you braise it or you stew it or whatever. Um, but it's so dry that you need the moisture content in it. Whereas ox cheeks are the opposite. They're so gelatinous. You know, you've got to be pretty special not to cook a cook sheet right. You know what I mean? It's just a matter of just leaving it smoker. It takes forever to cook. They take longer than a brisket. Don't ask me how. They're only like three, four hundred grams of meat, but they take forever to cook. Um, yeah. And then we wrap it in a bunch of paper, probably let everything else 80% of the way through, maybe a bit earlier. And then just pretty much leave it. Just leave any smoker and then just walk away. And then come back whenever they're, they're sort of down, when they're sort of soft to touch. And then because there's all gelatinous and so gooey, they're quite forgiving, so we put like loads of shallots, parsley, um, uh, a bit of stock, no, no, a bit of jus, um, a bit of barbecue sauce, and then we obviously put them in a pan, you know, press them, uh, chill them, so they, they they become sort of moldable, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we cut them into sort of cubes and then pan them, um, pineapple crumbs and the rest, and then fry them to order. So, yeah, we didn't realize it, but it's become one of our most popular dishes now. So yeah. we go through a small time of it already. But yeah, there is. It's a. It's, it's, I'll choose a quite a simple cut to get right because it, there is there is so much moisture and so much gelatinous in it. The pain, the very pain to handle because it's just very sticky. Yeah. But um, <laughs> but yeah, they're 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 quite a quite a good cut to get to use, I guess. Yeah. Awesome. And you do your own pastrami as well. You said. Yeah, I mean, it's it's become um, yeah, it's it's become one of those things that we really got right recently. It took us a long time. Um, I had a long time to get right, and I think it was because we were cutting the brisket in half because it was almost like a only half of a cycle about five days that we go on it with. So again, it goes in this sort of brine for five days, and then it's sort of your usual suspects, you know, mustard, coriander seed, um, and then we smoke that overnight as well. And again, it's are you smoke no. to finish or do you steam in the end? Do you yeah, smoke, yeah, smoke, smoke right smoke, to finish? Smoke, smoke. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, our, our, our whole restaurant is, if you look at it, we've got, you know, one massive smoker, a big grill, and then everything else we have is quite small. So some fryers, a rational oven, obviously, and a few bits. Yeah. We don't have the, we don't have the kit to do anything other than the smoke or grill, really and truly, on, yeah. on, on, in big volume. So I was just playing around pastrami like uh, a, a while ago, and, and I was like running, and I was just trying a few different things out, and I, and I and I smoked a couple, and I smoked a couple, and then steamed to finish on a on a couple, and sort of ran. And I found that the for me the steam the home at home the steam sort of uh, finish gave it a, a, just a slightly better finish than the smoked. I don't know why, but it, it just seemed to. Did you steam it unwrapped or was it wrapped at that point? It was unwrapped. So I smoked it, then then wrapped yeah. it in in the smoker, and then literally yeah, yeah. for like the last sort of uh, maybe. 20 10% 10% 20% steamed it then and uh, it just came out just it was what Lovely. I saw that they were doing a in, in America in a few places I was because it was just one of those things where you come fixated on something and you you, sure, you just go on it give it a go and like pastrami was whatever it was at the time and I was just sure. got a few briskets and, and started uh, yeah corning them and or browning them and sure. then uh, yeah and I just found it just I don't know why it was just a little bit a little bit better but yeah yeah, I mean, some of those guys, I mean, they really know what they're doing for sure. You know, it's, it's I guess, because of the kit we have and, and the size of our setup yeah. and, and, and so forth. You know, it's the only real option we have is a new smoker. Uh, we do undercook it, though. 
we don't go get as far as we got the brisket for sure. Um, yeah, I mean we don't we don't really use a probe anymore as much as fillet meat, but I reckon it's at least three to five degrees less uh, in temperature, just to, because we want to make more texture. We cut it thinner. Uh, we cut mm-hmm. it like a thin pastrami, I guess. So we we definitely cut that a lot lower. Well, not lower, a bit less than we would the the, the brisket because it's the brisket were probably what a pencil thickness, three eighths of an inch, whatever it is. Um, yeah. Whereas the pastrami is we're not as thin as you can get it, but it's quite thin. So we're trying to undercut that again, and it just breaks by the hand. So it's, um, yeah, it's, I mean, I'm quite pleased with that, actually, you know, we, we, because it, it's just because I've seen how it evolved, and I never thought yeah, I'd nice. get this right, it would take this long, you know. I'm kept getting it wrong. And it's quite simple because we kept cutting it in half, and I never really like, realized that. We kept cutting it in half and using the points for, for, the, for I guess, for service, for yeah. bucket mains or whatever, and then we are using this end bit for the shami and, I guess we weren't taking it seriously, and you know, it kind of, kind of told us that really. So, um, don't cut it in half. Amazing. Um, good, good yeah. advice. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Top tip. Yeah. And you, you guys don't just, don't just do that. You do like seafood as well and stuff, don't you? You've got like mackerel yeah, and I mean, sea bream and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, it's kind of, um, you know, I, I, I never thought I'd say this, but you know, when we opened the restaurant, it was, you know, we're not fooling anybody. It's a meat restaurant. Um, but we didn't really realize that, you know, how much balance we, we lacked or we needed really. So then we put a lot of focus in that the, the vegetarian. Not that we didn't, but I think vegetarians would come here and there were all sides of vegetarian or can be vegetarian, but there was any main courses. So because yeah. of that, we had to, we got thrown in the bus a bit and we deserved it, I think, you know, um, not competing with everybody or a group of seven coming in and then one of them being vegetarian or pescatarian. Um, and... I mean, we don't sell a hell of a lot of these stuff, especially as, as a main course. Um, you know, anybody comes here is definitely going to go for, for the protein. Um, but the sea bream, we sell a small ton of, which is like a sea bream crudo. Um, quite yeah. acidic. It's got loads of um, loads of great fruits and, and different herbs in it. And again, that kind of counteracts the sort of richness of the fats that goes on. So yeah, nice. I guess like a meal, you need, need a balance, right? So I think it's one of my favorite dishes. Um, inspired sort of, I guess, from Rocco, where it was before, sort of Japanese. Um, yeah. Lots of, lots of, it's not a sashimi as such as a crudo, where it's sort of raw fish is slightly cured in, in its own, in some sort of acid, really. So we use grapefruit juice, a touch, a touch of, um, uh, we've got some garlic in there as well, honey and a bit of lime to give it a bit more bite, um, and rice and vinegar. And that gives it just a bit of, bit of amp, really. Um, and then, yeah, we, we have, so I mean, we had macro, which is a slightly off season now, and now we sort of bring in various table of fish. So we begin in John Dory's, we had some brill, which is on the higher end of the scale in terms of price points. We've got today in some place, and we work with you guys again down in Cornwall, where they, whatever they catch, they tell us and they bring it, they, they sell it to us. However, we don't sell a lot of stuff. We don't sell a small portion of it. I think people come here, generally come here for the meat, but yeah. it's there in case you want it. I still think it's it's a damn good fish. Um, it's done well. Super simple, like really, really, really simple. And I think, um, you know, brisket is not a simple dish, right? It's beef, salt, pepper, but it's not a simple way to cook it. So because of that, and because nobody tries to replicate it at home, I think that's why people come here. Um, they don't try and do it at home on a day off or the day on, because it just takes a long while. Whereas fish, you know, they may or may not be able to do it. You know, and uh, we keep it really, really simple on purpose, just to make sure it feels that far. Um, yeah, and then the vegetables again, we try and go and see what we've done, um, and then evolve what we can with those. But you know, a lot of these meats, uh, yeah, I guess the mainstays, like a better words. Yeah, definitely. Okay. I- Okay, I was going to say, I know like, obviously your background was in restaurants and, and, and et cetera, but how, how was sure. it taking Smokestack from the 
from the street feast scene or from the festival scene or summer scene to to then bringing it into a restaurant how how was that for you and how, how did that happen and and how was the journey yeah. with that um you know it's i i, I said i was introduced to my own restaurant so this is like there was no surprise along the way for me you know this is always what i was going to do um i didn't yeah. think it was in the uk maybe back in barbados um uh, but i went to university to study restaurants on the basis that i was going to do a restaurant so coming back to the restaurant, I didn't realize I missed it. It felt like home. You know, to do. It felt like yeah. I'm at home. It felt like uh, you know, it was it was my calling, I guess. And it sounds a bit cheesy, I guess. But I didn't rush up my entire life. I took obviously two yeah, and yeah. a half years out, three years. Was it two and a half years? Two and a half years, I guess, out to do the events and festivals, and you know, build a brand, build PR, be marketing, build a bit of cash, all all the usual culprits, really. Um, but you know, my heart was always in the restaurant. So I think, yeah, that was um, always a dream. Yeah. Yeah, I always I struggled a bit in the street food scene. Well. These festivals, especially because it was just, you know, I come from a very organized background, you know, working with, you know, good employers where, you know, things yes. are very strategic and very set up and not corporate, but structured, you know, and disciplined. And to go in, you know, um, I don't know, a different world, it was, I always struggled with it or a large part yeah. of the time, just, you know, how much mess it was or constantly clutter or relocating all the time. You know, I don't open the restaurant, I don't close the restaurant. I'm still here six days a week, but I'm not the first man in, I'm not the last man out. And with events, it's, you know, you, you're all, sometimes you're there because obviously it's a cash business. You know, there's a lot of cash, there's a lot of, you know, there's sticky fingers. I don't care what anybody tells me. Um, <laughs> yeah. It happens a lot. So you're trying to, there at the end. Here we've got full point of sale terminals. Like, I don't, I've never done a cash up in my life here. I don't intend yeah, to, yeah, yeah. you know, it's, it's not, it's not my role. Um, I'm here for service and the products and people. Um, that's my job, you know, not dealing with cash up and stuff like that. Um, not that I'm too good for it. I just, I just, I put my focus on where I think it matters, and that's the people in the product. Yeah. Um, so you know, that's that's it. so coming back to the restaurant. I mean, it felt great to do. I didn't realize how much I missed it. I didn't realize how much I wanted to be back in the restaurant. Um, so it's been that was that was, I wouldn't say easy. None of it's been easy. Um, but that that was that was very rewarding in many ways. Um, I bet. I very bet. rewarding. Just because it just it just felt like it's what I wanted to do, man. It was just what I wanted to do from day one. So yeah. You know, coming back into it was like, that was well, good on you and congratulations uh, to you there. Yeah, you made it. You yeah. made it. You made it back. Yeah, well, I don't know. I'm still trying to make it, but yeah. <laughs> right, we, we're getting close to the end now, but I've just uh, quickly just looked on the website to have a look at what sure. what what was on the menu, all the rest of it, and I suddenly get the homepage of the website, and your first options are gift vouchers, and it just says whole brisket. So I'm like, yeah, clicking yeah. in this, and like, you can get a whole brisket gift wrapped. This is awesome. <laughs> yeah, we um, I think I think it was when we, I think it was our first year trading, our first winter. We had this, this U.S. lawyer firm contact us and say, uh, we've got all these clients. We want to buy them a brisket each. And we're like, what? Like, we've never <laughs> done that. Like, I don't know what we're talking about. Um, and anyhow, we're just like, we we came up with whatever price per kilo it was. I can't remember the time. It was twenty. I can't remember twenty quid or whatever all it was. And we said, well, this is the price, you know, this is what we pay for it, this is what we're selling it to you. And they're like, they're transferring money within the hour. I mean, obviously, double cakes, you know, <laughs> um, Texan lawyers. And I don't know, I think, I think it was just one of those things that, you know, we wanted to do something that people can like, kind of take it away with them. Um, yeah. Again, as I said earlier on, you know, nobody wants to spend a day off or very few, you know, 15 hours behind a smoker to get a brisket that may or may not come out well, you know what I mean? And it's just one of those things to say, you know what? Let me just leave it to somebody that's that's, that's doing it, doing this for a living, um, and because of that, it's something that that's kind of done, done out for us. I mean, we had the same lawyer firm 
I'm not joking. They were the 37 in Christmas, 37 oh. birthdays <laughs> for their for their um for all their clients. So I mean, we haven't had 37 since, but um, probably not even in total. But um, it was one of those things that it just kind of kind of made sense. We do it. We do you know a, a slow day, six briskets, a busy day, 20. Um, so to put a couple more in the smokers, no skin off our teeth. Um, we're doing the process. We've got the team in place. We've got the systems in place. Uh, we've got the product in place. So it's something that we. Um, yeah, it's worked out quite well. It's just something a bit different, you know? Yeah. Um, well, if anyone's getting you a birthday present, yeah. you now know what yeah, to nice. get. <laughs> I do. I need to become a um, client of this uh, firm, yeah. I think. Yeah, exactly. I think I'll put your name later on. I can't remember what they're called, but um, yeah, US based lawyers. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I need to get in there. I need a little gift at Christmas time. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, Thanks, David, for coming on. It's been great. Sure, really sure. good to chat me. to you. Um, well yeah, done great, for man. everything you've done and good Cheers, luck man. for it all in the future. Okay, look forward to seeing you boys here soon, man. Give us a bell when you're around. Will do. Cheers, Thank mate. Thank you very much. David. All you guys, Thanks for having us. Cheers. Bye. Cheers, man. Bye-bye. Bye. You're listening to United Q Podcast. We're brought to you by ProQ, Kamado Joe, Thermopen, and Smokewood Shack. ProQ's extensive range of bullet smokers, reverse flow, and gravity fed smokers will suit all, from the home enthusiast to the big volume caterer. Kamado Joe, the king of ceramics, is renowned for build quality and innovation. From smoking, roasting, or searing, get that great barbecue taste and keep the moisture locked in. Thermopen Instant Read Thermometers. Take the guesswork out of barbecuing with the super fast Thermopen. Smokewood Shack delivers quality smoking wood every time. They provide the smoky goodness, you provide the talent.